Well, again, thanks for being with us. Whether you're doing so online or in person, I am Mike, one of pastors on staff here. Uh, as we get started today, um, would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you uh, just for Thanksgiving weekend and just for a time to stop and to be grateful in a season and in a culture where uh, complaining and criticizing seem to be the norm and are so easy and come so naturally. Father, we pray that you would help us uh, today just to have hearts and minds that are receptive to you and to your truth. Father, um, I want to take just a minute to just pray for uh, some who are struggling among us. Uh, Father, I want to pray for John Davis and his liver enzymes as those are way up right now. And he's got two weeks to wait before he can see a doctor. Father, I pray for your hand of mercy and healing on his body. And Father, I just pray for his spirit, for the anxiety that comes with waiting, that you would meet him in that and give him peace. Father, I want to pray for um, the Kalskis, uh, for Scott and Kristen, as they, both, as they both have tested positive for COVID. Thank you that their symptoms are not severe, but we just pray for your hand of healing on them and for your protection on their kids. Again, please just meet us today as we uh, try and explore your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So uh, we are in the final week of a series that we have entitled Walk This Way. And in this series, we have been looking at the gear you take on, the trail when you go for a walk, when you go backpacking, and trying to use that to illustrate the different spiritual practices that we have in our lives that are meant to help us in our walk with God. And so each week, we have literally just gone, hey, here's a piece of trail gear, and here's the spiritual practice that this piece of trail gear illustrates, and here's how this spiritual practice is designed to help us seek after God so as to come to better know Him relationally, and as a result of that knowledge, come to love and obey him more and more. And so over the course of the uh, last few weeks of the series, we've explored uh, four different spiritual practices. And as we wrap things up today, we're going to look at one uh, fifth and final practice together. But that being said, we want to recognize that there are more than just five practices. You only have so many weeks in a series, and so you kind of pick and choose and prioritize which ones you're going to go after. But if, as we have been going through this, you've enjoyed the series or you've enjoyed the, the topic of spiritual practices and you want more on that, uh, a book that I would recommend on this topic is The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Uh, there are, um, in this book, he covers all the disciplines that we've talked about in the series, kind of goes more in depth into them than we had time to do so. And then he covers a whole host of disciplines uh, that we haven't even gotten a chance to talk about. So great book on that topic. But as we wrap things up this weekend, uh, we thought it fitting with this being Thanksgiving weekend to talk about the practice of gratitude today. The practice of gratitude. Now, when I think of different spiritual practices um, and different pieces of trail gear, and I go, okay, well, you know, what's, what's a, a piece of trail gear that would kind of capture the idea of gratitude? The thing that comes to mind for me is waterproofing. 
There's different gear you take out on the trail with you, and some of it's waterproof, some of it is not. And if you've ever gotten caught out on the trail when it's raining, I'm telling you right now, waterproofing is absolutely huge. Makes all the difference in the world. For example, different boots uh, come with waterproofing. Some do, some don't. We've got a picture of one of my boots up here. This is the Merrill Moab 2. It is advertised as being a waterproof hiking boot. I want to tell you right now here in church that that is a lie straight from the pit of hell itself, all right? <laughs> they tell you it's waterproof. It is not. If I, if I wear these on a trail and it so much as sprinkles, my feet are wet and I am miserable. Now, uh, another boot here. Uh, we're going to bring this one up. This is the Boulder boot. It's by Lems. Uh, up until now, Lems has not had a waterproof boot. My wife wears these. Um, she loves them. She's always harassing me that I need to get a pair. And um, I'm like, why would I do that? Your feet are soaking wet every time it rains. I don't want wet feet, right? Now, this year, Boulder boot came out with a waterproof boot. And so I was like, all right, if I can get, you know, I can make my wife happy and try, you know, like my boots right now aren't waterproof worth a darn. So I'll try these things. The waterproofing in these is amazing. Just, it worked beautifully. For example, uh, last week of the summer, uh, my wife and I and her sister and my brother-in-law, Jeremy, we spent a week at Isle Royal. Isle Royal is this little island in the northwest corner of Lake Superior. And we did about a week on the island. Now, one of the days that we hiked, it rained, like torrential downpour kind of rain. We did 12 miles that day. It rained for eight of the 12 miles. And um, just waterproofing in a situation like that can make all the difference in the world. My wife has the older model. Her feet were soaked. You know, my brother-in-law, I don't even know what Jeremy was wearing, but at one point we stopped. And Jeremy takes off his boot and turns it upside down and water literally pours out of the boot like water out of a glass, right? My lems, my boulder boots, they held up the entire time. It was beautiful. And I didn't even gloat that much, right? It was just, you know, it, it, it's a difference maker. Like when your feet are wet, they're slishing and sloshing inside of your boots. Your, your, your skin gets all pruned up. It's more susceptible to blisters. And when your feet are cold, the rest of you is cold. And, and, and it doesn't matter that you're in a beautiful place surrounded by the majesty and glory of creation. You don't notice it. All, all you can think about, all you, can, all you notice is you're cold and wet. But when your waterproofing holds up, whether it's in your shoes or the rest of your gear, all of a sudden you can appreciate the majesty and beauty of creation, even though the, it's storming like crazy out. In fact, sometimes it gets enhanced. Now, we experienced that that day. At one point, we are walking by this in-island lake. I get a kick out of this. You're, you're on an island and you've got this lake on the island that's, you know, and there's an island on the lake in the island. It just goes on and on. But we're walking by this thing and everybody else in the party, they don't stop. They don't notice. They don't look. They don't care. They're just trudging along, heads down, you know, trying to get to this lookout spot that we're going to next, that we're hoping we can crawl underneath it and just get out of the rain for a few minutes, right? So away they all go. I just stopped. I just let them keep going. doesn't matter. I like faster, faster than they do anyway. I was going to catch them. But I just took it in. And you got this in-island lake, the wind is blowing like mad. The reeds are all over the place. Rain is coming down sideways. 
massive thunderclap, lightning rips across the sky and across the water of the lake. It was just amazing. I was able to appreciate it because the waterproofing was working. Didn't matter that it was storming. Everybody else in my party, they were just cold, wet, and miserable. Waterproofing, it makes an absolute difference on the trail. Now, here's the thing. The spiritual practice of gratitude, it can work like this. See, life will rain down on us. Whether it's what's going on at work, or what has taken place with regards to our health, or what's going on in politics or in culture, or the drama we had to put up with with our family over the you know, holiday weekend, and we got th- th- this part of the family wants to get together, this part of the family that doesn't, and everybody's fighting with each other about whether or not we're going to get together and eat turkey and be thankful for each other, right? Life will just, it'll storm. And when it does, it can consume us. And in those moments, all we can see is the mess that's going on around us. And it blinds us to to the goodness and the presence and the majesty of God in our lives. But when gratitude is present, gratitude can act like waterproofing. It can allow us to see the goodness of God, the majesty of God, even with everything else that's raging around us. Now, we get an example of, of how this practice can work in our lives in Luke 17. Luke 17, picking up at verse 11, we find Jesus on the road to Jerusalem, heading into some undisclosed town. And on the way into that town, Jesus is met, confronted, if you would, by a group of 10 people. 10 men, all of whom have leprosy. Now, based on what we know from history, these are probably 10 desperate men. There was no disease that was feared quite like leprosy was in the first century. It was something that when you were diagnosed with leprosy, when you were declared to be unclean, it just it ravaged your life in a number of areas. Physically, it robbed you of your vital senses and the extremities of your body so that eventually you lost those appendages. Your face became disfigured. Physically, it was a miserable thing. Socially, it was just as bad. When you were declared to have leprosy, you were declared unclean. You're not allowed to touch a clean person. You're not allowed to be within six feet of a clean person. You know, we think social distancing is new. Uh Uh-uh. This goes all the way back to leprosy. Six feet between you and the other people. With leprosy, you're not allowed to live in the same town as clean people. You're not allowed to live in the same home as a clean person. There's a level of isolation like nothing else. And then spiritually, it's just as bad. When you you are declared to have leprosy, you're not allowed to go to church. You're not allowed to participate in public worship. And the theology of the day taught that, that God himself had cursed you for something that you had done wrong. It's a, it was a miserable kind of affair. If you're looking for something today that, that, that's you know, an equivalent to leprosy, perhaps the best thing right now is COVID. But I'm telling you right now, you can clear a room today. All you have to do is cough, right? In fact, I know one particular individual is a bit sadistic. He thinks this is a fun thing to do. You know, like he gets to a crowded store, wants to get down the aisle. He'll just, 
<laughs> and it's like Moses in the Red Sea. It just parts, right? He can get anywhere he wants, and then, you, know, you can't see him smiling underneath his mask. You, you show up at the doctors, you show up at the clinic, and you're like, hey, I need to get a COVID test. All of a sudden, everybody's giving you all kinds of personal space. doesn't matter if you've been exposed. doesn't matter if you think you have it or not. doesn't matter if you're symptomatic or not. They don't want to get anywhere near you. They whisk you off someplace alone, and they don't come back until they're in their hazmat suits. It's, it's like I've talked to people, and they're like, it's like I've got leprosy or something. All I do is tell them I, I'm here for a test. This was the most feared disease of the day. These 10 men are desperate. And they come to Jesus desperate. They hear Jesus is going to be in town. And again, they have heard the kind of things Jesus is said to be able to do. And they're thinking, maybe we can catch him. The, the theology of their day questioned whether or not they even had the right to speak to him. You're only As a leper, you're only supposed to talk to a clean person if you're screaming out, letting them know you're unclean. But at this point, they're like, what else are they going to do to us? What else can they take from us? So they hear Jesus is coming, and they confront him on this road. And when they find him, they, they call out to him, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, Jesus knows what they want. He can look at them and tell that they have leprosy. He, he, he doesn't need to ask, what, what do you mean, have pity on me? What, what do you mean, what, what do you want from me? He knows. They just want to be healed. They just want to be healed. Which makes Jesus' response to this and their response to his response a little bit odd. See, in response to this, Jesus tells them, go and show yourself to the priests. Here are 10 guys who have the plague of their day. They, they, they come to Jesus to be healed. He's like, go see a pastor. What? What does the priest have to do with this, Jesus? And what's even more interesting is when Jesus tells them, go and show yourself to the priest, they turn around, walk away from Jesus, and they start heading toward wherever the priests are at. Now, I find myself wondering, why? Like, you came to be healed of leprosy. This guy tells you to go and see the priest. You have not yet been healed, and away you go. Why would you do that? And, I mean, you're risking everything. Why, why leave before you have what you want? Well, here's why. It was the priest who would declare you as having leprosy. He would, he would let you know, you are unclean. And in doing so, levy this death sentence on your, your physical life, your social life, and your spiritual life. It was also the priest who declared you to be clean. And it didn't matter. You, like all your symptoms could be gone. You were not allowed back in church. You were not allowed back into society until you had seen the priest and he said you are clean now. So when Jesus says to them, hey, go and show yourself to the priest, that is as good as a promise to them that he's going to come through with what they've asked for. And sure enough, on the way, they receive what they're looking for. They are cleansed along the way. Here's what's interesting to me. At this point, you've got 10 men. All of them have leprosy. All of them are desperate. All of them come to Jesus. All of them take Jesus at his word. All of them head to the priest. All of them are cleansed along the way. 
But at this point, they cease to be unanimous. Luke tells us that one of the ten, when he noticed that he's cleansed, that he turns back around and goes to Jesus to thank him. One of them realizes God's power has broken into my life. One of them realizes Jesus is the agent of that power. One of them comes and he falls on his knees before Jesus, recognizing his authority, and he thanks him. All ten were sick, all ten were desperate, all ten went to Jesus, all ten took him at his word, all ten were cleansed, but only one came back to thank him. Now it's at this point, Luke kind of rips a rug out from under his readers. And he tells them of this one that he was a Samaritan. Now this is a twist if you understand how Jews in Jesus' day thought. See, in the mind of a good Jew in Jesus' day, you had two kinds of people. You had Jews and you had non-Jews or Gentiles. And in the mind of a good Jew in Jesus' day, Gentiles, non-Jewish people, they were far from God. They weren't eligible to receive his blessings. They, they had no basis by which to draw near to God in relationship. In fact, the, the, the Jews believed this so thoroughly that they like worked it into the architecture of their church. You, you had the temple and you had the outer court of the temple. And if you're a non-Jew, you can go into the outer court but worked right into the architecture beyond that point, you had these signs that would read, let no foreigner enter inside the barrier and the fence around the temple. Whoever is caught will have himself to blame that his death follows. I thought, you know, we could have some of these printed up and put them around church here. Just a different kind of evangelism. They're serious. They're like, hey, look, if you're not a Jew... You come any further in here, we will kill you. This isn't for you. And yet, as 10 Jews continue to put more distance between themselves and Jesus, this one foreigner keeps getting closer. The irony of this isn't missed by Jesus. Jesus he says, we're not all ten cleansed. We're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine, Jesus asks. This is so good. Don't miss this. He says, was no one found to return to give praise to God except for who? This foreigner. Luke uses the exact same word for foreigner that you would have found on that sign in the temple. Here's this foreigner. He, he doesn't deserve the blessings of God, but he's healed. Here's this foreigner. He, he has no basis for drawing near to God, and yet he is at the feet of Jesus. Here's this foreigner who, who's ineligible for a relationship with the divine, but according to Jesus, he finds faith. Here's this one who is supposed to be further from God than all the rest. And yet he's closer in the midst of this than anyone else. Now, how does that happen? What is the agent 
that allows this foreigner to get closer than anybody. I, I would say to you, it's his thankful spirit. It's his attitude of gratitude. This foreigner took time to appreciate the gifts, and in it all, he found himself drawn closer to the giver. He took time to appreciate the gifts, and because of it, he was drawn closer to the giver. It's ironic. There were probably fewer people who had more reason to be angry with the God of the Jews and their Messiah than, than a Samaritan foreigner did. Again, you have, you have Jews and you have non-Jews, right? The, the worst kind of non-Jew in the mind of a Jewish person is a Samaritan. Like, Samaritans, they're like the worst kind of non-Jew. Jewish people in Jesus' day, they thought of Samaritans the way that Jews today would think of Hamas or Hezbollah. They were, they were their terrorists of their day. Because of the history that had passed between these two people, you have Jews who hold ethnic and religious purity among the highest of their values. And here are people who throughout the, the centuries leading up to Jesus, they had gone out of their way to try and steal the Jews' scriptures and their temple and their place as God's people. And whenever they had a chance, they, they would literally try and partner with the politics and the, and the, the other invading armies into Israel and eliminate the Jews, like wipe them off the face of the earth. Jews in Jesus' day, they used Samaritan as a racial slur. It was as derogatory and offensive then as the N-word is today. And yet, here is this Samaritan, this Samaritan leper, who is thanking the God of the Jews and their Messiah, while nine Jews just keep walking. He took time to appreciate the gift and it drew him closer to the giver. Now again, the spiritual practices, these are, these are activities that are meant to help us seek after God and in that seeking come to better know him relationally and as a result of that knowledge come to love him and obey him more and more. Gratitude is one of those practices. Gratitude is meant to help us seek after God. When, when you and I, when we take time to appreciate the gifts, it draws us closer into relationship with the giver. It, it acts like waterproofing. When, when life is going to rain down on us, Again, you've got the things going on at work. You've got the things going on with health. You've got politics. You've got family. All that kind of stuff. It'll keep us from seeing God and his goodness in our lives. But gratitude, it's like waterproofing. When, when I'm taking time to be thankful for the gifts, I am drawn closer to the giver. It, it enables me it enables me to see God and his goodness in my life in spite of what life happens to be raining down on me in the moment. Gratitude works like this for us. Now, it's one thing to say that. It's another thing to do it. 
It's one thing to, to realize, hey, gratitude to spiritual practice. It helps me connect to God. It draws me closer to Jesus. It worked that way for that Samaritan. It can work that way for me. It's a whole other thing to be grateful, especially in, in a season and in a culture where there's just so much negativity. There's such a critical spirit that's just permeating our midst these days. So how do you do that if it doesn't come natural? Because I'll, I'll just be honest. Gratitude does not come natural to me. I'd like it to. I wish it did. I want the benefits of it. But for me, it's something that I have to work at. I have to actively cultivate it. So what I want to do next is just share with you some of the things that I do to try and cultivate gratitude. They're helpful to me, and hopefully they'll be helpful to you too. So here we go. Number one, you want to cultivate gratitude, I would recommend reviewing the dailies. This is something we talked about in the second week of this series when we talked about prayer. One of the things that, that, that I try and do when I sit down and pray is I try and look back at the previous day and just kind of review, okay, where are all the places that I saw God in that previous day and what are all the things that I have to be thankful for? So I'll, sit, I'll literally just sit down with my journal and I will write out all the things that I'm thankful for, all the ways that I saw God in that previous day. I have found that as I have engaged in this practice over the years, two things to be true. First of all, the more I do this, the better I get at it. The, the, the more consistently I take time to practice looking for where did I see God and what do I have to be thankful for, the better I get at recognizing where God was present and what I do have to be thankful for. The other thing, though, that, that has happened to me consistently is I will go into a time of prayer. I will sit down to prayer, and especially in the season, there are times where when I sit down, I am stressed, I am overwhelmed, I am anxious, I am depressed, just life is raining down on me. But I'll stop. I'll be like, okay, where did I see God? What do I have to be thankful for? Let me tell him thanks. And I get done and just, I'm in a different place emotionally. Just taking, taking time to be grateful for the gifts draws me closer to the giver. It changes my perspective. In spite of what life is raining down, I'm able to see God's goodness and his presence in my life. So strategy number one, I'd recommend reviewing the dailies. Strategy number two, I would recommend switching it up. And here's what I mean by that. If, if you have circumstances or if you have people who enter into your life that create in you feelings that are not thankful feelings or the opposite of gratitude, make yourself stop and look for what are the things that you have to be grateful for in spite of those circumstances, in spite of those people. So, so again, for example, uh, my wife and I, years ago when we were young married and our kids were young, we got one of those things that for any couple with young kids, it is the greatest gift you can give them. A night without children, right? Just when, you, when you got young kids, somebody gives you a night where you don't have any kids, it's like, oh my goodness, this is the best. Now, I, I can't even remember where our kids were. They, they could have been lost in the neighborhood for all I care. I don't know. I, just, I got to praise God. I got a night with no kids. And so my wife and I decided we're going to go out. We're going to have dinner. We're just going to hang out, spend the evening together, invest in the relationship. Now, again, we are young married, so that means we have no, no money. That's right. Young married, you got no money. So going out to dinner for us meant we went to Wendy's. 
So we go to Wendy's. We are the third couple in line. There are two other couples in line in front of us. There's this young man working the register. God bless him. I'm sure he was a wonderful young man, but like he had no business behind that register. He just, like both of the orders in front of us, it took him forever to get the orders into the register. And he messed both of them up and it took him forever to fix those orders. Now, I'm hungry to begin with. I don't do well when I'm hungry. So by the time I get to the front of the line, I've just about had it. My wife gives this young man her order. It was not a complicated order, and he messed it up as well. At that point, I was done. I thanked him, let him know we were leaving. He could take his time fixing it. We're done. So we leave Wendy's, and we go to McDonald's, because I'm a big spender, right? So we go to McDonald's, we put in our order in the drive-thru, we pull up to the first window, they lean out, and they say to us, hey, we're really sorry, we just had the power go out, the credit card machine isn't working, we're only taking cash. Normally, I wouldn't care. I only had Plastic Fantastic with me at the time. Now, at this point, I can lose it, or I can switch it up. I can be grateful. I still have no kids tonight. I can be grateful. I've got a spouse who I want to spend the evening with. I can be grateful. We've got perfectly good food in the fridge at home. I can be grateful the young man at Wendy's is not my kid, right? <laughs> All kinds of things to be grateful for. You just got to switch this thing up. When life rains things down on us, part of drawing closer to the giver is taking time to figure out, hey, what are the gifts that are right here in front of me in spite of the things that I don't want here anyway? And finally, strategy number three. Meditate. Meditate. Now, you, you, uh, people will hear the, the idea of meditation in church and folks freak out. James did a really good job with this in week three, kind of walking us through med what meditation looks like. But in case you missed that, to meditate, at its most basic level, to meditate is to think repetitively on the same idea, just again and again and again on the same thing. People will say to me, well, I don't know how to meditate. Do you know how to worry? You know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Because when you worry, you're just thinking about the same negative thing again and again and again. The idea here is to think about the same positive biblical truth again and again and again. Now, the book of Psalms is so helpful for this. In the book of Psalms, you have all of these prayers that are recorded for us. And they were set to music in, in their day and age. But as chance would have it, these different songs, these different prayers, they have themes. And some of the Psalms, their theme is gratitude. Their theme is thankfulness. So in the inserts in your digital bulletin, you have a list of different Psalms of thanksgiving. And what I would encourage you to do is spend some time during the Advent season, spend a little time each day reading a different psalm of thankfulness. Spend some, carve out some time during that day to think repeatedly, to think deeply about what, what is this particular psalm saying? What is it communicating to me about thankfulness and how it works? Take some time, meditate, memorize your favorite one. I'll tell you right now, if you're going to memorize something, again, you're just chewing it over and over and over again in your brain. Meditate on what does the Bible have to say about gratitude. So again, spiritual, spiritual practices. 
They are simply activities that we engage in that are designed to help us seek after God so as to better know him relationally. And as a result of that knowledge, come to love him and obey him more and more. Gratitude is one of those practices. Whether whether reviewing the dailies or switching it up or meditating or something else, gratitude is the means by which we are thankful for the gifts and drawn closer to the giver. It is it is the practice that helps us see and appreciate God's glory and majesty and goodness in our lives, regardless of what's raining down around us. Would you pray with me, church? Father, thank you. Again, just for this weekend. for a weekend to just be reminded of gratitude. Fathers, we we enter into the Christmas season and we go from being thankful for to wanting more. Father, I just pray you would help us please to live well into the practice of gratitude. In a time where it's so easy to be critical and where it's so easy to be negative, help us to be thankful. Thankful for your goodness. Thankful for your grace. Thankful for your salvation. Thankful for your provision and your blessings. Father, in it all, Help us to draw near to you. Help us to be people who will turn back, fall at the feet of the Savior, and thank him for what he's done. It's in his name we pray. Amen. 